Everyone, Dan Levi here and welcome to the Nunet Podcast, the podcast where we talk to interesting people doing interesting things. And we're also at an interesting place uh, for this first episode of the year, so yeah. Uh, but my guest for today is Mr. Sibona Kala. Hi Dan, bro. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, first of all, you guys uh, have been doing a great job with this uh, podcast. I've been following since day one and uh, yeah, it's good to be finally on the show. We've got so many interesting uh, people here and I, I just, I'm just glad to be uh, part of the list as well. So thanks oh, for having no. me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming yeah. onto the show, man. I think oh, it's good, been yeah. a long time coming. Like, it's always good to have people who've done uh, all sorts of different things, and especially someone like you who's yep. uh, represented PNG yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in any capacity. That's always an interesting yeah. uh, discussion to have with anyone. But, uh, Sibona, for the sake of our listeners and viewers uh, who may not know who you are, could you just tell a bit <laughs> about yourself? Um, okay, well, um, well, my name is Sibona Kala. Uh, a lot of people just call me by my short name, like Sibs. Um, I had some funny names uh, along the way, like Chips. Bro, some, there was one, uh, when I was working with Kenmo Group of Companies, the first job I had, they, they used to call me Sibs Midnakola. So <laughs> there's so many names about, about me, but shout out to the boys uh, at Kenmo. They, so, but, but Sibs is, is, is for short, a lot of people call me by the name. Um, I'm a graphic artist uh, by profession, um, <coughs> and I do a bit of videography as well. Uh, TV commercials, I, I shoot TV commercials and yeah, just uh, TV p- video production side of things. Yeah, and I play a little bit of basketball as well. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> say just a little bit, oh man. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I play basketball as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's basically about me. Yeah. Oh man, that's so interesting. Because I'm I'm familiar. I'm sure that as we were setting up, like this isn't. Uh, uh, such a foreign thing to you, like <laughs> seeing a camera set up. But I have to ask, is this your first time in front of the camera? Uh, I've done a few interviews before. Um, I've also worked with TV, so I've been part, part of a video production side oh, okay. of stuff. So a bit familiar behind the scenes and also did a bit of stuff in front of a camera as well. So, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Now, uh, Simona, can you just take us back to... I think the beginning of your journey, you said that you play a little bit of basketball, yeah. <laughs> but uh, can you take us back to uh, maybe what first sparked your interest? Like what first got you into yeah. basketball? Oh, bro, I mean, it, man, it goes back, way back. I think I was doing grade one. And I was, I come from a family of, uh, uh, my dad, my mom and dad are officers of the Salvation Army. It's, it's uh-huh. basically uh, evangelists, uh, like pastors of uh, Salvation Army. We call them officers in, the, uh, in Salvation Army. So we usually move around a lot and um, they sent us to Kainantu and it's for some odd reason I learned how to play the game there. Um, my dad was part of this youth, uh, he's, he was a youth officer and we usually get donations of uh, stuff that they send into churches and then we devel- de- deliver them out to um, community, communities and stuff like that uh, within the Salvation Army. And we had a box of cassette tapes back in the, back in those mm-hmm. days and my dad was like going through uh, scanning through all of them and then we, we found this documentary of Michael Jordan I think it's called uh, his airness I can't remember the name of the ah. documentary but I was like I was grade one and I was my dad put it on TV and I started watching <laughs> all these Michael Jordan clips and then that's the first time I was like wow what what is this and I started getting the interest of the game um, and then they used to have a church competition there where I go sit down on the side and watch these Highlanders play. And this was in Kainantu, mm-hmm. like Eastern Highlands. And you know, Highlanders are also, they're also big on this game as well. So just watching these guys, getting the interest. And that's when I started uh, falling in love with the game. And my little brother and I, we used to get the clothes hangers. 
when we were uh -huh. small and put them on the door in the house and we ball up like newspapers uh, in a in a ball we taped them up as a ball and and we just play every afternoon <laughs> and my dad always comes home and like just sees the hangers missing and just gets them and just he just smacks us and, and don't don't ruin the house and all that stuff so that's where we started playing um, and I think that's I think that's where I picked up the game and uh, from there ever since then I just I just couldn't stop dribbling the ball man it's just like it just became part of me and uh, just learning along the way so that's just way back I don't know what year was that though I think grade one that's probably 95 or 96 yeah. I was in Kainantu <laughs> there's now, a lot of good players out there too bro like out in the highlands so learned a lot from some of the guys out there Man, that's one thing not a lot of people expect. Like, you know, when they hear Highlanders, they always assume that yeah. they like to play, let's say, only rugby. rugby. But no, 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 no. They're very sports-like. So yeah. they're sports people out there. Some of them are really good at soccer as well, yeah, basketball bro. too. I guess uh, you have to go out there and experience, experience it yourself mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, like we only hear stories about these things. But when you go out there um, and experience it, live the life amongst, know the other, know other people, their cultures and all that stuff, you get to learn more about them than, yeah. Just, just by listening, you, you won't, you won't hear much. But if you see it yourself, you, you'll understand. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, who has been your biggest inspiration in your basketball career? Like, who's been the one who's been the most influential <coughs> or influenced your playing style? Yeah, because I, I have a lot, a lot of local guys here I look up to. Um, but I'm gonna say that, in terms of international games like the like NBA and mm -hmm. stuff like that I think when I was 18 years old I started watching actually watching other players and seeing seeing how they play and um, my favorite player that I always look at there's two of two guys uh, one is obviously Kobe, Kobe Bryant uh, is one um, and uh, the other one is his name is Tracy McGrady mm. um, these two guys they had a similar playing style they play my the position I play in as well they have very good footwork but the only difference one is taller than the other one but they had everything was just similar and I, I remember watching the games every time I see see the games I always try to mimic I'll be at home mimicking the styles and footwork and everything and it became like an obsession at the same time like I'll be outside the house and just on the concrete just doing it without a basketball you know. back then my parents weren't uh, we couldn't afford a ball so whatever we had like a soccer ball or just anything that, that I could use as a ball I'd be outside just mimicking all those moves. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think those are the two players in terms of like NBA, uh, the NBA level. But uh, if you want to talk about local boys here, um, there was this guy I always look up to when we were playing at Hola, Hola Basketball. Um, back then, they had a capital basketball league there. Uh, Colin Killer, his name is Colin Killer. He's, he's also, he plays the same position as I am, but he was a bit mm -hmm. shorter, but he could jump. So, like I always go watch these guys play and just just admire them and try to mimic everything they do. Um, but then it's not just watching them; it's it's going out there and actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. It's like you won't learn those things overnight. You have to put in the work and um, get better. And I also ask them a lot of questions too. So mm -hmm. uh, those those are the points where you, when you ask, they teach you. Um, most of these guys they're very open. Like some of these good players. Yeah, the, the more you ask uh, questions about, they'll, they'll give you uh, the keys to just uh, perfect your game. Yeah. Man. Now, Sibs, you said that uh, you 
like your interest first sparked all the way back in grade one. So mm. I assume that you, of course, you've been playing for a very, very long yeah. time. Now I wanted to ask, was the what's the one maybe most uh, memorable like triumphant moment you've had? Like, what's the most, <laughs> what's the biggest highlight you've had? Yeah. Oh man, I got two. I mean, obviously the first one, uh, first one is just wearing the jersey, uh, the PNG jersey for the first time, getting your name printed on, mm. uh, on the back. You know, I come from a family uh, who's not. We're not synonymous with the, with the game of basketball. Um, so, you know, when I was coming up playing, uh, playing in Lee, and I see all these boys like, you know, the Moorys, the Elavors, the Travets, all these guys that come from a family of, mm. you know, generation, they pass that name down. And uh, just by watching them, I'm, I always think to myself, man, one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the color legacy, you know what I mean? So, so it's, it's just working towards that goal and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I start start my own legacy, and you know my kids, my nephews, nieces, or everyone that come after me can, you know, follow that. And to have the name Kala printed on on the jersey, embroidered, and I'm like holding it like this, like in front of me, is just that that moment. Uh, I, I don't think anything can top that. And uh, and that was in 2011. That's my first Man. time. Yeah, first time representing the uh, representing the country in the Pacific Games. Um, yeah, that, that's one moment, and uh, the other one is uh, <coughs> one of the highlights that I, that I had is we played against Macau in Arafura Games in 2011 as well, mm. that same year, and um, we played against Macau, China, and I think I came off that game scoring 49, 40, 49 points, mm. close to 50 points, I think, and uh, it was just, I think that moment, I, 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 I don't really see myself as a good player, because I was amongst, you know, Stony Elavo, Dia, Apia, and all these guys, they were, they were on top of their game. Uh, but to be in on the same court with them and having the set plays run through, like the coach would say, okay, the ball has to go in this guy's hand, Sibs, you just do your thing. And it, that was a moment where I was like, okay, I'm, it's good to be part of, part of this uh, legacy, like just representing the country. And score, scoring 49 po points uh, on an international stage mm. is like... <laughs> After I came off that, came off that game, I was I was pretty like. It changed my whole perspective about uh, working hard towards that. Like if you work really hard, uh, sacrifice comes with sacrifice and dedication. Mm. You just put yourself away from all this peer pressure and everything, and whatever you want to reach, man, sky's the limit. So I think those are the two, two things. But I, if I was to pick one from those two, is is representing the country. The first time you get your jersey, man. that's 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 on top of the list. <laughs> man. Now, uh, along with the highlights, I also wanted to ask probably what was one of some of the biggest uh, challenges you've had to face, either on the court or in relation to basketball. Yeah, I think uh, again, again, there's two I'm gonna mention here. One, one is the biggest challenge is it comes off the court. Uh, you can be the best player, but if you don't have your, you know, your your life together outside the court, it 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 kind of it kind of plays because uh, a lot of young kids look up to us like you know it's the same thing as us when we were growing up we looked up to these other superstars in the team uh, in, I mean in PNG good players and now it comes down to us uh, and the challenge right now is to when you step off the court um, you have to be on, uh, on your best behavior because you know you're mm. actually making an impact to other people's life um, and I didn't kind of realize that until I was I got a bit older 
uh, and I started to realize how much impact I have on other other kids like coming up because a lot of people will come up and say uh, man I admire your game uh, you know you're a role model and all that stuff and it sort of like got me thinking about how I should live my life mm. um, but there's, there's been a, I'm not the perfect guy like but you know there's been some downfalls that I had um, but then it's a learning process every time you, you look at yourself in the mirror and then you know try to get better e every day and I think those are those are some some key moments in life or in the in the space of my career that I had to sit back and think about it and say okay I'm actually making an impact <laughs> in other people's like mm. we, I, I don't actually know how to but you know it happens it comes with with all your dedication and time uh, hard work that you put in uh, and then it you know it, you, you have people have respect for you so now you have to have live a certain life and try to show the best examples for the next next generation that's coming up <laughs> and yeah I think that that's something I don't think a lot of people consider when uh, when you reach like a certain level in things you end up accidentally or unintentionally uh, becoming a role model yeah. and then you suddenly have all this responsibility yeah. that no one told you would come with getting yeah, to this position like yeah. <laughs> Like you, you, you don't really learn these things until you, you step into it and then you kind of, kind of sort of realize uh, yeah, it's, it's bigger than basketball. Like you can do everything on the court, you be the best, but once you look at the bigger picture, um, it gets, it's outside the basketball court now. It's just impacting the next ones coming up. Yeah. But I would just try to mention, uh, so in 2017, uh, I was I was a bit older and I was getting old. I was like 30, I think I was in my 30s, 30s or 31. I think I was 31, and um, they picked me in the squad because I took I, I took two years off um, playing basketball and tried to get back into work, trying to find myself um, in, in in an office space and all that stuff. So I was trying to uh, get myself financially stable. So I took a took a couple of couple of years off, and then when they called me back in the Mellow Cup. Um, I had to come back and train uh, with the squad again and I think the challenge for as you get older your game sort of changes you, you're not athletic anymore uh, you're not as quick as you were when you were like in your 20s so um, I think the challenge for me during that time was to adjust to my game so mm. I started taking like sh shooting I was trying to, trying to work on my shooting from outside because I wasn't quick enough to go in and bump bodies I, I couldn't i couldn't dunk anymore uh, sorry i used to dunk before Man. yeah <laughs> so i couldn't i couldn't dunk anymore and like driving the lane so I, I started shooting from outside so i think uh for young players who are listening to uh listening to this podcast or watching um as you grow older uh, you have to learn how to adjust to your game so there's always the game's always going to evolve and you have to adjust to it so as you start getting older losing your athleticism and all that you start working on outside shots spot up shooting and all that stuff like that so i think uh, if you want to talk about um some challenges in in throughout my career i think the one of them will be that 2017 uh, era representing team png in the melanesia cup that was one one big challenge for me yeah. man like one thing people don't uh, consider about professional athletes in papua new guinea is that a lot of times uh, playing the sport doesn't look after the athletes so yeah. like what you just mentioned you have to take time off to make oh sure yeah, you're financially yeah. secure yeah I mean that's that's one one main main thing I mean unfortunately for some sports you get paid um, unfortunately for basketball it's everyone sort of plays with passion so we just 
come here, play. I mean, some basketball clubs do give incentives mm. out to some players, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it's not that. But, you know, looking to the future, I think uh, the federation should look into something like that because at the end of the day, most of these boys that are playing are from the settlements. Mm. They come from the settlements, come from Hawks, uh, and, you know, sometimes they can't find jobs out there. So hopefully, you know, Basketball Federation could look into that and uh, they make these guys play for their bread and butter. I think that's that's, that's a main goal. Uh, now, Sibs, you recently captained the men's 2x3 uh, basketball team into the Solomon Islands in the most recent uh, Pacific Games. Now, uh, could you tell us more about the mental and physical state uh, you had when like leading up to the games and also being there in SI oh, yeah, on cool. the court? <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was called back into the team six months out of out of the uh, out of the Pacific Games. So um, I also I also took time off again mm. um, because I'm this time around. You know, I had a I had a I had, I, had, I just recently had my second child. I think I have two two mm. girls. So um, just trying to balance fatherhood and work and then now they're calling me back into um, being part of the team and I didn't know I was going to be the captain at the time so um, well the challenge was to just come in and see where I was at I, was, I actually put on a, a bit of weight mm. during that time so six months out I had to cut down on my weight so I'll, the mindset for me to come in and train was to try to outwork these young boys um, being at ages age of 37 uh, and just coming in with with these young boys that are coming in with high energy and all that stuff, so I usually come in on extra days and just do my do my extra extra work, um, and I always come in an hour before training starts. Mm. I come do my extra stuff and and then wait for the rest of the guys to come in. And so the mindset was to just try to outwork these boys. It was tough. But it was the first the first two months were, were tough for me, um, but as the as I got used to the training schedules and my body started getting used to being back on the court now I started losing some of this weight uh, and yeah it's been it's been tough the journey preparation is, is is the toughest part but then when you get to the courts it's all about your mindset now so uh, when we go to the games at the Pacific Games uh, our mindset was to play all seven games because we were in a pool of mm -hmm. five teams I mean we, were, we, were, we only had like five round games but I told the boys when we got there our our aim is to play seven games. So our mindset was thinking of playing the semifinals and the gold medal match. So right on the get-go, we said we're gonna win the first game, and then from there, it's just, we'll try and get, get the whole game. So I think, I think when you talk about mindset, I think that's, that's where you have to, you used to see yourself winning the tournament, and then everything else will fall into place. So, uh, I mean, we had a good run, went all the way to um, the semis. Uh, we played against New Caledonia, the bronze medal uh, and then unfortunately they took it from mm. us but it was a it was a good run and to captain the squad and go that far it, it's yeah it's a, it's, it's a privilege to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now also recently uh, you took part in the unity peace tournament for your club uh, saint basketball mm. and uh, this was held in the southern highlands of yellow so uh, what was that like uh, taking up taking all the boys <laughs> up there and man i think this trip is probably the yeah, it's a trip of a lifetime. Everyone, we were invited on the Tuesday, and on Wednesday, unfortunately, the the looting happened. Oh, the, yeah. okay. So we were not sure whether we were going to travel or not. And then on the Thursday, it was really tense. You know, the city was on lockdown, and 
So we were just at home thinking, oh, maybe we're not going to travel. And then Friday we got the call that you guys need to be at the airport by 9. So we, <laughs> eight boys, we just packed our stuff, shoes and everything. Went to the airport, got on a plane and uh, it, it kind of tense. Our families were not sure whether mm. to let us go and all that stuff. But uh, we, we wanted to go because our purpose was to go and uh, reach out to, uh, you know, these the ones in the highlands uh, they sort of started the, these are all village people coming mm. together to play so our, our aim was to go there uh, maybe reach out teach uh, teach basketball that's, that's our main goal uh, and it's our passion so you know we just had to get on the plane and take a risk and I think uh, I think this is the sometimes you have to take a risk uh, on things like this because a lot of people haven't been to that part of the uh, of PNG and they think like oh this it's aggressive and unsafe and all that stuff. But it was really it was really good. When we got there everyone was friendly. Like we were actually surprised. We thought we were gonna go into a war zone like that. Mm. <laughs> but everyone was everyone was friendly. They took us around, they they took care of us. Uh, man, we ate a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to I had to stop the boys on the third day and say, guys, we, we have for basketball so uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to do some road runs and all that. Uh, if, the games were, the games were tough. You mean all these Highlanders? They they're naturally aggressive people. Mm. So um, the game was tough, but at the same time, we were not uh, we were not afraid of uh, you know getting chased out of that place because they made us feel safe. They said you can mm. just play, be yourselves. Um, they had a river next to the court, and you know every time we play, we just go down to the river. There's a waterfall there as well. <laughs> and we had our natural ice bath. Everything. It was just the best trip ever and then uh, I think when, when we were coming back it was it was a sad moment because the village guys that took us in um, and they all like I was crying come out loud so it was it was a bit sad but at the same time we made a lot of friends too and uh, and we left our Saints jersey uh, in, ah. the, in the village um, the guys that hosted us so Riwi, the village is called Riwi um, it's in Yalibu station it's just a couple of minutes drive out of Yalibu station and uh, yeah we went there to play but at the same time we wanted to give back to the community there so we left our Saints jersey there and gave it to one of the villagers told them to name a team called Saints wow. <laughs> so yeah they were really happy um, so yeah, looking forward to the next one so um, they're gonna have it every year so can I just say a shout out to um, Tony Kondo and uh, your team out there thanks for inviting us to the uh, to the tournament and we're looking forward to come back and uh, bring a mo much more stronger team <laughs> so yeah shout out to you guys and i've seen uh, one thing that basketballers always have is a certain uh, preference for their gear and specifically their shoes so <laughs> i gotta ask is there oh, a certain yeah. th are you biased to certain brands is there a certain type you like uh, to wear when you're on the court yeah as mentioned uh, uh my favorites the kobe and uh, tracy mcgrady so tracy mcgrady He's an Adidas guy. He was signed by Adidas and he, he's got his signature shoe there. So I usually wear Adidas or Nikes. Nikes is, you know, Kobe uh, and the Mamba. So, um, but my favorite shoes out of all of them is, has to be the Kobe Hyper Dunks. They call the Kobe Hyper, Hyper Dunks. Um, very comfortable, very light. And uh, you can, when you run, it's, it's like, you know, you have no weight on your feet. So. Those are my favorites, Kobe Hyperdunks. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, my next question would have to be, 
if you could assemble your dream team of you, mm. of five people, including yourself as one of the players, your dream team of either uh, international, uh, international people, boys here, or even people who play famous players who aren't alive anymore, if you could include them, like a five-person oh, team, who would you have on the court with you? Man, that's that's the hardest question. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go local. I'll, I'll pick mm -hmm. the locals. Locals first. Huh. So I'll. If I was to pick my top five local players, PNG, uh, including me, um, I'll put myself off the bench. I'll come off as a sixth mm. man. Um, I'm going to pick Peter Davani at point guard. Uh, I'm going to put Colin Pila at the shooting guard. That's two. I'll have Apia Muri uh, at three. Mm -hmm. Oh jeez, up here or Stony. <laughs> and I'll put Stony. I'll put Stony at number four, Joe Elavo. And then I think on the on on the fifth center I'll put uh, Robert Cave. So I have Peter Davani, Colin Killer, Apia Muri, Joe Stony Elavo and Robert Cave. And then I'm coming off the bench as a sixth man. Now uh see reflecting I mean, you've already told us a lot about uh, your journey and your basketball journey, but uh, uh, reflecting on your journey, what probably what's one, what was one of the biggest turning points in your career? Perhaps like what made you really want to take basketball seriously? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a nice question, bro. Um, <coughs> I think when we came back to Mosby, and I was in my, I was in high school. I think I was at Badiago High School, and uh, that's when I, that when I was 18, I was 18 years old, and I started. I went down to CBL. I was watching the boys play, and uh, I just picked up a basketball. I saw how these guys were playing, and I was like, I want to just go on the court and just try this. So, um, I mean, I played before, but it wasn't really. I wasn't really serious. But uh, at the age of 18, I, I decided to take take on the take on the challenge and it's not because um, not only because I was interested in the game but it also took me away from other other stuff mm. as well look I was I was not the most uh, I, I wasn't behaving well in school because all this peer pressure I was at Badi Hago as well and and that school was it's a good school but there was a lot of peer pressure uh, at that time so uh, the only way to get out of that was I, I tried to decide to maybe take up sports or to stay away from it and uh, sort of it was a challenge but at the same time it was a process of learning uh, so it took me away from you know all this drinking smoking and all that stuff uh, uh, chewing boy um, and just being on the right path and I think basketball was a was the channel that took me away from those things and uh, being at this age now uh, I think that's what I emphasize a lot when I'm talking to younger players is to make sure you fall in love with the game so that you don't uh, see yourself in you know alcohol or drugs and all that stuff so step away from all of those things and I think basketball is is one key I mean there's other other channels that you can go to but for myself um, basketball mm -hmm. is one that picked me up so um, I think my, my job now moving forward is just to try to emphasize on that when younger players come up to me uh, those are the advice I give to them so Man. Yeah. 
Now, other than, uh, like what you just said, and falling in love with the <coughs> game, is there any other uh, piece of big advice you'd like to give to any young or aspiring basketball players? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, think, I think if you love what you do, um, I mean, there's, there's always that saying, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your mm -hmm. life. So um, if you love the game, uh, treat it like it's something that you, you care about. So if someone steps off the court or someone tries to be aggressive or, or hits the referee and all that stuff, mm. you need to protect the game. So um, protecting the referees, officials, trying to make sure everything is... I mean, we Papua New Guineans, we are usually like very aggressive when it comes to sports and very passionate. Uh, but sometimes we need to take a step back and um, appreciate the game as it is, love it. Um, don't play for money. Um, don't try to... Yeah, just don't play for, try to be famous, don't try to be popular, just try to be effective um, when, you, when you play the game. So that people will look up to you, because at the end of the day, we want to wanna make this world a better place to live. So um, if my job is to be an example to this game of basketball, then uh, that's what I'll be. Yeah. Man. <laughs> now, Sibon, I think we've come to the... Uh, end of the podcast interview, but I have one last question for you. Uh, a bit of a very hypothetical, uh, maybe a bit of time traveling <laughs> type of question. But uh, <laughs> if you were to play a one-on-one -on -one match with any Ooh. living or past passed away already player, mm -hmm. who would you pick, and what would be your strategy to beat them on the court? Wow. <laughs> um, I think I'll go with the guy that I look up to the most is Kobe Bryant. Like. Um, Kobe or Michael, at their prime, in mm. their prime, like if they're in their prime, I would like to play against you know one of those two players. So Michael Jordan is like the goat, the greatest of all time, the guy who changed the game. Um, he would be the one that I would, I'd like to play against, uh, and and Kobe Bryant. I mean, I pick whoever wants to play play against me. <laughs> <laughs> but my strategy. Uh, Man, if we're talking, if I was back in my prime, I think my strategy, I'll try to use my speed. I'll try to use my speed a lot. I mean, I, height, height difference would be, would be a thing, mm. but I'll use my speed and I'll try to use, use a lot of shooting from outside. So, yeah, I think that's what I'll do. You see how we go. Probably yeah. i get like 21, 1 or something. <laughs> <laughs> First to 21. Man. Michael Jordan wins by 21. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, Sibona, we've come to the end of the podcast interview. Thank you so much for your time and yeah, allowing man. us to uh, record here. Thanks, bro. Welcome to my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure uh, being here, telling my story. Uh, so much to talk about, but, you know, uh, yeah, just very grateful to be here, to open up the ear with this podcast. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming, man. Oh and uh, yes, that's been this episode of the Nunet Podcast. We'll catch you in the next one. Let's go.